Hi, and welcome to the Making the Media podcast. My name's Craig Wilson, and thanks so much for joining me for the latest episode. Ada Granberg is our guest this week, the Chief Technology Officer of the Swedish public broadcaster SVT. They were pioneers of remote workflows long before COVID came along, and Ada has some big ideas on how they need to adapt to the rapidly shifting broadcast market. So we're talking cloud, we're talking digitalization, disruptive workflows and methods of distribution. But that's enough from me, let's hear from him. And I began by asking Ada to outline his role and a bit of background to SVT. SVT is the biggest uh, TV house or production house in Sweden. It's a public service company. Uh, we've been a, a public service company, company since 1956. We are really big on, on the digital market as well, with SVT Play on the VOD market, as well as we have the terrestrial uh, channel distribution. So we are in, in the middle of a disruption as well. But we have fully uh, public service financed through through tax bill, so everybody's paying for us, so we need to, to cover everybody's needs and interests around that. Uh, and I'm other than, and I'm the CTO of SVT. Uh, it's a fantastic role. I used to say that I'm in charge of everything with a cordin. And if the thing with a cordin needs some kind of specialist, I'm even having the crew. And we did that change on SVT three years ago. So before that, it was three kind of architectures or structure, you could say. It was operations where you have the, oper- the, the, the common operations of a company, computers, uh, the backbones, etc. Then we have SVTE, which is SVT Interactive, which is our public services, public uh, online services, I should say. And then we had the production. But we really find out that that I should actually say that I found it out that that this kind of system now merging together, the backbone will be the network and the network can be in the cloud or it could be on my premises. But production, which in, in, in the old times were quite easy infrastructure with the BNC cables architecture was simplified going digital into computer centers, into regular hardware and software as a service business, which is the online services for the public already are. We need to merge that. We need to understand that. And the basic idea behind it was the metadata that we create when we decide a show to be transmitted on SVT. That metadata should following the process out to distribution for the end user. So you don't need to put on more metadata from the camera or manually in the process when you put on capture, etc. So to build a system around that kind of thinking was the idea. And, and we are definitely not there, but we have the possibility now because everything is, is in the same group to discuss it. But that kind of issues we have as a legacy company is enormous. And that's my what I'm struggling with every single day at my job. But that's what SVT are and, and, and uh, what it is. And we are still very, very popular. One of the most popular uh, public service company in, in Europe compared to, to what the audience think about us. So, so that kind of, I guess, creative tension, shall we say, between br- traditional broadcast engineering and, and networking, as you say, are, are kind of coming coming together. And, and I guess that's a challenge that, that, to an extent, within the industry is is universal. It's not necessarily something that SVT are facing alone. 
No, and I we have a big discussion just last week. Are we rebuilding the broadcast industry or are we reconstruct everything as it was new? And that kind of legacy is really, really interesting. And I think we need to reconstruct everything because today it's so easy to get into the broadcast industry together with an iPhone or a smartphone anyway. You can start to film in 4K, you can edit, you can put on capture and you can transmit it on a YouTube platform. Everybody can do it. And especially if you're under 15, it takes you two minutes and then you learn and fix it. And we are still back in, in my company where we need a fixed machine doing a fixed thing in a fixed architecture and, and so on. So we are in a, in a big transformation uh, inside that legacy discussion, which I love but I'm a little bit stressed about it. Now I'm happy because I'm financed through a tax, so I think I get a little bit more time than if I were not financed by tax money, I was financed by, by, by commercial or something else. Then I think I would take down the production facilities, rent it in from town and have another kind of discussion internally. So this, this is a big challenge, especially when you are a legacy company. But I think around that question, it's more interesting that what can we gain from being a legacy company because of the tableau thing, the channel structure, how easily it's to relate to the time and date and watch a show instead of having a library like Netflix. Netflix is fantastic, I love them, but it's still a video store where you can go around in the video store at home when you like to do it, but it's still quite difficult to find the right movie. It was not easy in the video store, and I should say it's even trickier when it's online and you don't can see the, the back on all tapes standing back beside each other that you have to navigate in. I think that's the kind of problem we need to work more on. Then, of course, my crew, I have 300 people working with production. They need to adapt to new technology. They need to understand what the technology in an iPhone can do for the television industry, not what the television industry can do for an iPhone. So we are changing uh, everything. And, and coming back to that, we all watching or, or, or actually uh, listening to this uh, feels that that uh, NAB in Las Vegas or IBC in, in Amsterdam is the big shows. And I love to go there and I love to be invited to cocktails and standing chatting about the TV industry. I love it. I was the star on that floor today in the, in the broadcast industry. I'm the smallest piece of corner in the digitalization of the IT world. And that game changer for the industry, for me in my role, for who I am and what SVT are in the bigger complex, I think that's the biggest challenge we are facing, to accept that, to understand that, and to adopt to that. So when you, you, you talked about the trade shows there, and of course there are other trade shows which deal with that other side of the coin as you've, you've kind of described it there, what do you think the attitude is of those types of organizations when you approach them and say, we are SVT or we are this broadcaster, what kind of reception do you get for them? Are they receptive to the kind of things that you want to do or are they kind of dismissive because you're a small player? Unfortunately, I'm a small player, but I get big data. So I think I can use that. But I think still uh, the, the attraction and, and the awareness of SVT 
is very big and the, the and the people in Sweden love SVT or hate it but they have a relation still they everybody cares about it in one way or another that's a quite important key and I'm sitting on that key and I would like to keep the key in the digitalization world so of course that's an attraction then I think it's it's lesson to learn from both sides which is really really important because you can take Netflix again as an example I think that's a fantastic VOD service but it's not a live service and it's definitely not a broadcast on demand service so we have sides to learn from 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 both the old history and the new history but I think we still need to understand in the broadcast industry that we are a small player in a big world, not a big player in a small world. Because I think we, we start to build our own standards and we are still 2021 figuring out how we can produce in 4K and distribute it in 4K 15 megabit. But on the other hand, in the production facility, I should have 4K and 4 gigabit streams. And I do a lot of things for me only, and then I distribute it like pieces like this. We're still doing that. Why are we doing that? I, I cannot believe I'm, I, I don't understand it. Why can we not start to produce as we would like to produce, uh, distribute the format in? So that kind of mindset, we are not there yet. And I don't understand why not. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a big... Why don't we produce it the same format that we would like to distribute it in? And that's what the iPhone does. That's exactly what it does. It's really disrupting us, but we don't, we doesn't look at it in that sense. And we need to look with other eyes. One thing I know that SVT has done is lots and lots of remote workflows. Never mind what's happened over the course of the last year or so, but the, the nature of the scale of Sweden, it's a very large, a much larger country than a lot of people think it is. Um, is is one thing. You have multiple sites, you have multiple people in lots of different locations, but you've also done lots of remote workflows around sporting events. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the kind of thing that you've done to enable those kind of workflows, and then where you think that sits within the bigger picture now. SVT sold out the Obi fleet before me started on SVT, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe more, 20 years ago because they saw it with big investment coming. And I, at that time, was on an Obi truck company building Obi trucks. I figured out quite fast that Sweden is a wide country, it's a long country, and the Obi truck costs 5 million euro to, to put the technology into it. Uh, you put it on the road and you spend a lot of time on the road with it, and you pay a lot of insurance because everything you put on the road is out for an accident or risk. And then you should drive uh, 100 kilometers and then you should have one day rigging and everybody crew should move there. So when you start to talk about remote production, it was more like, how can I use the effectiveness of the system I bought so I can really do one hour show there and two hour show later, do another show there and we stay at home to work. It is an industry that I used to go to the set arena to do the sports and we couldn't see that the sporting arena, quite often football games, haven't changed for the last 15 years. Why should I go up every single time to look? Should I have the camera here? Yes, today I should have the camera here again. And then we put it up, we put it down. The next time I go up again, should I have the camera there? Yes, I should have. We have done that for 50 years. Come on, we know how to do that. 
And when you go into the OB truck, you cannot go out of the OB truck. So why should you be on site? It's enough to have a cameraman putting up the camera if you're not fix it there. So that's actually the basic of the starting of it. But everybody hate me because of that, because I was taking away the traveling, the, the, the fine things with working with television. I was removing that, but I need to do that because we didn't have OB trucks on SVT. That was the simple reason. It was not more or less like that. And then we had the Olympics upcoming. We had 60 accreditation. Should I spend 30 of them of technology crew or should I spend five of technology crew? Yeah, with remote production, I needed five instead of 30 and I could have journalists instead. So that was a big success for SVT. That's how it started. So it's it, in the basics, it, it's an effectivity of, of uh, the systems to use them. Then, of course, what we can see, we can use the crew as well. You're not working for one football game, you work for eight hours. Big change as well. So we need to work like that. And most of the world outside broadcast industry, this is a no-brainer. But inside, inside television, it's been, a, it's been a huge challenge for us. And then we adapt the same thing on, as well on the news. So today we have one cloud production, with regular technology, but it's in a cloud that have connected 14 studios. And then we have two places where we have the control surfaces. But it means that I have redundancies, which is enormous for it right now. So now when the COVID hit uh, Sweden and, and the rest of the world as well, okay, I could have redundancy on two places, technology on two different kinds of places, but nobody cared about them except for a few engineers. And then I can have studio placed out in Sweden and everything was independent of everybody. So I didn't need to have studio technology and control surface on the same area. And everything was connected to, to everything. So when someone gets sick in the north part of Sweden and host, okay, the, the host in south part of Sweden could take the same show because he was not only reading news with the running order. So that kind of driver have done, it's possible to, in Sweden to really, I should not say taking care of, of the COVID, but we was really prepared for that kind of thinking of being at home to work. Then I'm not the person thinking the best environment is to mix a, a big concert as is my living room together with my children. I don't think that's a good thing. And as well, I need to have the connectivity 100% control because it's not so nice to be sitting at home doing a concert or direct a news show and the connectivity goes down then you're very low. I think that we need to consider as well. But we are so prepared to do that. Nobody really loves me for this, except for the network guys sitting at home, setting up the network. But the crew working with it is a big challenge if you don't think that this is a good evolution for it. And I think in the future, this is a no-brainer. One question on that, not so much on the technology side, but more on the, on the kind of team and, and spirit side. How, how do you address those kind of things where people aren't together, um, but are you know, they're working together, but they're but they're you know physically apart? How do you try to 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 handle those kind of things? It is a tricky question. I think how could I push SVT this far as we did? That because I'm really into production. I am a director. I've done UEFA Champions League. I've done uh, World Championship in ice hockey. I've done big events. Uh, and I've been running in slow motion, I've been running sound engineer, I'm a vision mixer, and I love being on site, but it doesn't give an extra 
to be on site, to be honest. So I know that it's a paper product. It's not for real when you're saying we need to sit beside each other. That's not true. It is not true. But we really would like to think it's true. That's one driver. And I've been saying honestly, it's no more grass to feel. It's a work. You can give it even tougher to say it's a factory. And then some people say it's really terrible to work in a factory. And someone says it's fantastic to work in a factory. I know when to start. I know when I can come home to my children. I love my family. I love to have fixed time. But most of the television work say ah, it's, a, it's a process ongoing. And I l really love to go away. And I don't need to take care of the children. I don't need to take care of my husband or wife. And I don't need to do the kindergarten and someone else taking care of my clothing. And I like to take a beer afterwards that's important drivers do the product for the audience will be better i'm sorry to say it will not happen will the audience see some different if you do remote production seven camera football from home or on site i don't think so will you lose any viewers because of you did remote production oh how much money should you spend then for the big industry in a small world Oh, I'm not sure that we have done the right. So that's one driver and talk about this and say that that apple is an apple. So it's not important to really be sitting beside each other. But I love to do it. But when COVID come, when we couldn't sit beside each other, is that a problem? Have it been black in my television? Have people stopped watching TV? Have the sports going down? No. Nothing have happened and nobody cares how we do television as long as it's shown on the screen that's what i mean and that's i think it's a key finding where we have to open up i want to go back a bit again and talk about the the sort of digitalization workflows that you you mentioned before um and how do you think you can now capitalize on 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 these kind of things to transform SVT even further from, from, from where you are today. What's your thinking around that? Oh, it's a big question you're on now, and you really should open a little bit of mine uh, future. I should give you a perspective of maybe two years from now. Could be one year, if you ask me. If you ask my crew, it's five years. So you take or give one to five years, and I, and, and, um, I hope one year. I think we will produce TV in the same quality as the output in hardware that are the same hardware as we put uh, hotels.com in with the software as a service taking care of the television, mixing, synchronization, sound control in a digital workflow. And then we have a control workflow where we just make this happen and sending signals to to, to a production workflow, which not include any broadcast brands logos in the hardware. Uh, that means that software as a service will be the shit. So it would be basic hardware or basic, of course, quite complex hardware. And of course, we're working with moving pictures, so it's a lot of bandwidth. But we need to rethink how we do that and we need to do software to do that. So I think that will redefine the business. And that means as well to work with a standard like 2110 is fantastic right now. I 
don't see that as a future, unfortunately. I need to adopt to a standard that hit the audience, not hitting me, that I need to convert for the distribution side. We need to rethink. As far as 21 take us, it's still inside the broadcast industry with people thinking that the broadcast industry is the world. And the broadcast industry is a part of the world where other standards can help us being better, more effective, and really be more relative, uh, um, relate to the audience that really is gonna watch what we are doing. So, so that I think we are stuck changing cables again and thinking the network is the solution for it. I think we hitting the wrong target. I, I know I'm aiming quite high right now and I think maybe I can upset someone but I think we are in a grace period to understand what the digitalization could do with us because the workflow we're doing right now in 2110 is the same as we did 1956 when we started SVT. We need to rethink. If you if you invite the television today when iPhone or Samsung's new phone was on the market, we would never ever build our own standard 2110. That's the problem. And I think that's the future. So how do you go about trying to get there? How do you prove what you think is going to work? I'm developing a few systems. I'm trying. I'm, I'm talking to, to a lot of company. I'm forcing them to rethink or test my theories, trying to, uh, to really have this kind of discussion, because I think to have the discussion with you right now, Craig, and have that kind of, of, of uh, questioning is, is questioning me, questioning my, my theories, but pushing the market as well. That's one way. Then I think what happening as well is when we're putting in the TV technology, the broadcast technology into a computer center, nobody working with the um, studio or actually in the control area need to think about that. But today in the architecture we are building up, everybody thinking about the brand. It's a UX question. I would like to build my own UX, suiting me, pushing uh, pictures, etc. So we, we, we need to rethink the industry, re, re, need to rethink and rebuild, not reconstruct. I think that's a big challenge. And I'm trying to do that at the work as well. But of course, we can't do that in, in five years or two years. It will take quite a long time. But my job is to look in the crystal ball, not to look in the past. We have plenty of people looking in the past which still make the jobs going on. But one thing I think you're looking at doing is you're looking at doing some kind of news trial of workflows in the cloud. What would that involve? Regular hardware, uh, two kind of workflows. One workflow still, when, I, when I'm pushing the cameras on what kind of UX I would like to do, sending up steer signal to a an, an, an total, total digitalized workflow where no coax cables or anything is included. So it, the processing is in the cloud and it's my promises or not. And as well, where it's a workflow where you can spend money on time and quality. You more money you spend on capacity, you better quality and you more live you can go. And if you don't have that money or capability of capacity, you can spend less money on uh, capacity and maybe not do live transmission, wait five hour, five minutes to transmit and use that as buffer times. So we are rethinking the way we actually 
will produce and really do big tests on that, which is fantastic, interesting, really interesting. And the thinking behind it is the IP technology behind distribution, which you put in the production chain. It's fantastic, interesting. We, but we really take the, the knowledge and, 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 and capabilities we have from the dis, dis, dis distribution side and put it on the production side. So it's it's really interesting. We'll see if 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 my brain is working or not in the upcoming month. What about things like studio facilities? What do you think the long term the, the kind of future is for those? I love it. I think they will stay forever. The reason for that, it's a black box where you can create the best world you need to create. Even if you would like to have a digital world, it's good to have a black box where you can put the light where you need it. And, and outside my window, the sun is shining right now. And when the sun is coming in, you will have an overexposed uh, picture, etc. We have a controlled uh, arena. So the black box, call it whatever you need, will definitely survive. I think it's uh, the most effective way to do some kind of show. Not all of of course, but but it's quite good to have something to put in, even if you would do a virtual reality world, etc., because of its controlled surface. So I think it the studio will survive quite long, but the way we produce it will not change. So I think even if you are in a controlled studio environment or you're out on the field, you need to have the same production workflow. The good thing if you are in a studio connected to your own or someone else's computer center, the capacity will not be a problem. So then you can transmit live in the best quality you need without thinking about spending money on, on capacity. But then when you go outside, you can really take big choices. Should I spend the capacity on, on big fiber connectivities or can I have 5G connectivities? You can really spend money on what you need. So that's really interesting. And then what? Then next thing for me, the countries that are listening to this and have arenas which is not connected to fiber connectivity, you have to rethink and call someone up because when you know you're going back to the same place day after day, someone would love to invest in fiber 100% because you would love to pay for it every single day. The problem might be you only have rights for one year or one season. Of course, you don't spend a fortune on it. But this is a market that have been working quite well in Sweden quite a long time. And I see it coming in Europe. But it's the future to have fiber or 5G connectivity. So, so I think that's really a market we need to be more mature. A couple of final things, maybe. What are the sort of areas of concern that you have about this sort of workflow that you're doing? Do you, do you does it worry that you might upset people in 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 testing this stuff out? That the way we produce doesn't need TV engineers anymore. It is a UX that I can build for my children because it's a software. It's a hardware in the computer center where my network guys need to set it up together with a team that developed the software. Then, of course, I need a cameraman. Of course, I still think that for, for upcoming years, we need to have a physical camera and we need microphones, of course. So, so at the stage of recording, we need something to collect the picture and we need something to collect the sound. The rest will be dis disrupt. That's my concerns. It will not happen in Christmas 2021, but 2025 maybe. Of, or, or, and my concerns are 
uh, SVT again as a legacy company, which I'm proud of. It's, I shouldn't say anything else. I'm proud that we have a fantastic legacy. We need to understand that in the same time that someone else understand us and disrupt us. Otherwise, the disruptor will kill us. So that's I'm afraid of. And that's the challenge in my work as a CTO on SVT to see that and try to do what I can to support that and do the change we need to do. Ada, I, I absolutely love your passion. Uh, and, and it's great to, to, to speak to someone as passionate as, as you are. Um, I do have one final question. It's a question I ask everyone in the podcast is, what is it, if anything, that uh, keeps you up at night? Uh, it's my children. Uh, and why we don't do a show that I can understand how TikTok works for them, how Snapchat works for them, and how they connect to each other, not from my perspective as a broadcaster, but from their perspective of their minds working and how they will see the future. That keeps me up, and on the other hand as well for the broadcast thing. Then, of course, if you look at me as a professional CTO, I think we are too focused on our own standards so we don't see the world outside us. That keep me keep me uh, awake during nights, uh, and that together is the future, I guess. There is so much to take out from that chat. Thanks to Ada for sharing his thoughts, and please let us know yours. Get in touch on email. We are at makingthemedia at avid.com or on social. My username is craigaw1969 on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to know more about some of what Ada spoke about, then check out the show notes. There you can find links to a TV tech white paper on the future of news and also a recent webinar series on what you need to consider when moving workflows to the cloud. Next time on the podcast, we're talking change with the head of change for news at one of the world's best known and largest broadcasters, Charlotte Eimer from the BBC in the UK. Let's hear a short clip. Journalists spend their life asking difficult questions, challenging, looking for the propaganda, looking for what isn't being said. It is a tough crowd when you're trying to to do change. And there is always a sizable minority who can be very resistant, very cynical. Um, You know, having said that, it's human nature. No one likes feeling that they're losing control of their working life or any other change that you haven't planned yourself. Um, So I think change leaders, really what change leaders need to be is emotionally intelligent and resilient. Definitely an episode that's worth subscribing for. So please do that on your podcast platform of choice to get notified when it's released. And of course, you can leave a review, rate us, and please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our producer, Rachel Haberman. Join me next time for more in-depth discussion about making the media.